Good morning. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Josiah, and I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. I'm a New Yorker living in Minnesota. I'm a clinically trained chaplain and a spouse. I'm a recovering addict living with an eating disorder. I live with PTSD and other mental illnesses. Let's get started. Good Friday morning to you. It is a beautiful morning here in St. Paul. Clear blue skies, the sun is out. The lake is sparkling on the surface. My rather large, fat house cat, Rabbi, is showing me his belly on my bed right now. It's a good morning. It's very comfortable, full of lovely things. Oh yeah, including coffee. (laughs) Can't forget that. Coffee is proof that there is a higher power and that that higher power wants us to be happy. Or something like that. Today is part two of a three-part series on what is spirituality. Yesterday, we talked about the definition of spirituality, the broad definition of spirituality is the mysterious connection we have with ourselves, others, and a higher power. And you can use the word mysterious, you can use the word unexplainable. I've also had people say to me that it's not just the connection, it's the quality of connection you have with yourself, others, and a higher power. Yesterday we talked about how spirituality begins with the inner life, meaning that the the conversation about spirituality necessarily begins by looking inward. So it must begin with me. It must begin with you. So spirituality is connection, the connection that you have with yourself or with you. In the Zen Buddhist community, we try not to... uh, engage too fully with words like self because we believe in my community based on our practice that the self is an illusion so uh, maybe just it's a connection to you right so once you've figured out that piece and by the way it's not like checking off boxes. Spirituality is not a formula. It's not math. Spirituality is more like jazz music. As spiritual writer Donald Miller says, 
It's like jazz music because it never resolves. It's just plays on and on and on, improvising, creating beauty in the moment. That's spirituality. So you will be working on the first box, the connection to you, for the rest of your life. And that's good. That means that you're engaged with spirituality. If you're looking for the easy way, by the way, to live a life that you want every day, then spirituality, sadly, is not the road for you. Yes, you are already a spiritual being. You're already engaged in some kind of spirituality. But until you're willing to look inward, your spirituality will always be surface level, subpar, low quality spirituality. So today is part two. Spirituality is the connection that we have to others. Do we need other people in order to live a fully realized life? Yeah. You know, kind of, in a way, I guess. I mean, Jean-Paul Sartre, the great existentialist philosopher, once said that hell is other people. And I would have to agree with him. For example, the hole in the ozone layer in the Arctic has closed itself, which is a miracle of nature. The, the Earth is healing itself ever since this quarantine stuff began. Proof that we humans are the ones creating the damage. We are creating harm. We are creating hell for our Mother Earth. Right? The current leadership in the White House is creating hell for a lot of people. There might be old family grudges and offenses that you are still holding on to. Maybe you don't speak to your siblings or your parents anymore. That's, that's a, a, some kind of living hell, right? We can find all of the ways in which people fuck up our lives. It's not that hard. The harder work, but the better work, the more helpful work is to examine how people contribute to the heaven of our lives. The heaven that is here and now. In this place, in this moment. So, spirituality is connection to others. It's not just shared interests. Right? It's not like you're creating a dating profile and you're hoping that somebody checks off all your boxes. 
It's that unexplainable, mysterious connection that you have to others, one, but two, it is needed, not just for thriving and living a fulfilled life, but for surviving. Since the dawn of time, humanity or humanity's ancestors have agreed that gathering is an important act, that community and relationship is vital. Sometimes in my work, I will teach a workshop called Naked Spirituality. And in that workshop, we will make a list of all of the things that we are, that we believe that we are, all the defining words. And all of those words and things we, we find out at the end of the exercise are relationship words. And we realize, and then I ask them, I challenge my patients to now make a new list. Tell me who you are without these relationship words. Without words like son, or daughter, or friend, or sibling, or caregiver, or banker, or cupcake baker, or cat lover, or writer. All of these things depend on some kind of relationship. Relationship is not just an important aspect of the human experience, it's an important aspect of life, period. All beings depend on relationship, and all beings are built by relationship. This is a core piece of one of the most important principles taught in the Buddhist community, the interconnectedness of all beings or as some teachers have called it, dependent arising. We arise in our dependence, not in our independence. We awaken in our dependence. There, this means there is no separation between me and the tree, the weeping willow in my backyard. There is no separation between me and the lake, between me and the cat asleep on my bed, between me and the paper that I'm writing on, between me and the iPhone that I'm currently recording this podcast on. Right? There is no separation. Spirituality is realizing and awakening to the reality in every moment. That our very existence is constructed around and by relationship. We cannot do without it. I challenge you to figure out a way to make it work. Spoiler alert, at the conclusion of the book and film, Into the Wild, the true story of Chris McCandless, the 
young man who uh, was the heir to a giant fortune and decided to burn all of his cash and give away all of his possessions and take off on a journey across America on foot. His goal to get was to get to Alaska and to build a life for himself alone. Along the path, he forges all these relationships with really fascinating people. And then, in his early 20s, he makes it to Alaska and he builds a home in an abandoned bus. Chris McCandless sadly died tragically on this bus, but before he died, he wrote in his journal something akin to, I have realized on my journey that we need other people. In his loneliness, he became fully aware that he was not made to be alone. Now, loneliness is not necessarily always bad, but we are never alone. We are not made to be alone. We have not evolved to be alone because we cannot function alone. Do you ever have a friend who This is that person that you can just always be yourself around. You don't need to put on any pretense. You don't need to force any kind of smile or any kind of appearance. You just get to relax around this person. This person creates zero pressure in your life. I've had people like that in my life. But only a couple people. Most of my friendships over the years have been pressurized friendships. Whether it was that person creating the pressure or me creating the pressure or just societal pressure. But I cherish those relationships with friends, family members, therapists, who you can just sit down and relax in front of. You can be fully in the moment with them, immersed. I've had a therapist who worked with me in my eating disorder treatment and every week I looked forward to talking to this therapist. And I would go days struggling, frustrated, stressed, And then this therapist and I would meet and I would hear her voice and her gentle nature and her wisdom and her wonderful, compassionate presence would fill the room and I would be at ease, like taking a drink of water after being thirsty for several minutes. It satiates. Do you have people like that in your life? You can't necessarily explain exactly what the connection is, but you know you've got it. My best Minnesota friend 
is a guy named Joshua. Joshua is awesome. He and I co-host a podcast together called Bread Wine Movies about uh, movies and spirituality. If you are interested in that, please, this is my shameless plug. Uh, Bread Wine Movies is available wherever podcasts can be found. Joshua was a guest on my podcast a few weeks ago. He was uh, the guest that talked with me about the eighth beatitude. Joshua and I met at church, um, the church that my spouse and I attend on Sunday evenings, and we were standing in line at a post-church service dinner in a church basement, which is very common in Minnesota for Lutherans to gather in church basements. I had never seen this person before, but he's a giant man who looks like a cross between Fozzie Bear and Chewbacca with glasses. Big brown beard, long brown hair, gracious, gentle presence. And he had a little girl with him and a spouse, a lovely woman named Joy. And I saw he was wearing a Star Wars shirt and that immediately grabbed my attention. So I turned and said, I love your shirt, big Star Wars fan. And we struck up a conversation And something happened in that conversation that I cannot explain or describe, but it was of a spiritual nature. And it was healing. And I cherish this wonderful friendship, one that I will have for the rest of my days. Now, in this season of COVID-19, it's hard It's hard to feel connected to others, isn't it? This is a season in which we have been forced to get creative in our relationships. So my invitation to you, dear listeners, my challenge, my encouragement is that your spirituality is realized in relationship. So get creative. Send letters. Send cards. Send more emails. Send more texts. Talk on the phone. Pick up the phone and call your mom. When was the last time you did that? Skype, Zoom, Google Hangouts. Find ways to volunteer in the community by dropping off food at local food banks, clothes at local food drives, uh, uh, clothing drives. There are still organizations and charities and ministries that are collecting food and clothing for people and school supplies for people that uh, are going without. This is a way that you can maintain relationship with the community and connect in a way that reveals your spirituality beautifully and unapologetically.
one of my new Zen Buddhist teachers is a teacher named Sosan. Sosan is the guiding teacher of Clouds in Water Zen Center in St. Paul, Minnesota. And Sosan sent me a list of gatas. Gatas spelled G-A-T-H-A-S. Gatas are mindfulness prayers. Not just meditations, but prayers. Little prayers that you can say as you do daily actions mindfully. These prayers invite us to be present in the moment. And the prayer for upon arising from sleep, from waking up, is just a lovely little prayer. So I'm going to read that to you as we settle in to prepare for our meditation. Waking up this morning, a whole new day is before me. I vow to live fully in each moment looking at all beings with the eyes of compassion. Do you hear relationship in that prayer? A vow to look at all beings with eyes of compassion? Think about that. How could that prayer, how could that vow enrich your spirituality? Are you going to do it perfectly? Hell no. No one does. But you're going to try. And the trying is connection. Refuge recovery is the Buddhist path to recovering from addiction. It is a Buddhist-oriented, non-theistic recovery program that does not ask anyone to believe anything, uh, only to trust the process and do the hard work of recovery. And um, I have the, what is the equivalent of the AA Big Book here. It is the Refuge Recovery Book, uh, written by uh, Buddhist teacher Noah Levine, who is a recovering addict himself. And Refuge Recovery is still a strong program, despite some of the pain that that community has gone through over the years. Um, it is still a beautiful process, and it is a process that is not tied to the 12 steps, but tied to the Four Noble Truths and the Noble Eightfold Path. If you have any questions about what the Four Noble Truths are, or what the Noble Eightfold Path is... You might want to back up in the podcast. There are two episodes. There are three episodes. The first one is called The First and Second Noble Truths. The second one is called The Third and Fourth Noble Truths. And the third one is called Spiritual Bypass and Grace. And all three of those episodes cover the content in The Four Noble Truths and The Noble Eightfold Path. Check it out. But now, I want to invite you, keeping relationship in mind, remembering that spirituality is connection to others, and that others is not just other people, but all beings. Take a deep breath with me. And all the way out. If you're sitting or standing, as you breathe out on the exhale, start to gently bow at the waist. 
And as you gently bow at the waist, it's like you're squeezing the rest of the air out of the balloon. We exhale all the way out and empty ourselves entirely of breath so that we can be filled anew. And just settle into the in and out sensation of your breathing. following is the step in refuge recovery about communication and community. We take refuge in the community as a place to practice wise communication and to support others on their path. We practice being honest, wise, and careful with our communications, asking for help from the community allowing others to guide us through the process. We practice openness, honesty, and humility about the difficulties and successes we experience. From the perspective of recovery, we need communities that include every type of recovering addict. Those with more time and experience become our mentors and what the Buddha referred to as spiritual friendships, guiding us on the path to recovery and inspiring and encouraging us to do the hard work. The more wisdom and compassion those spiritual friends have, the more compassion and kindness they show to us and others. In addition to helping us understand reality and respond with compassion, the wise beings who are our mentors urge us to continue on the path of recovery when it gets difficult and we feel like giving up. This support for abstinence and recovery in a world that conspires to keep us asleep is an invaluable aspect of any sincere desire to recover. You may not identify as a recovering addict, but all of us are in recovery for something. And all of us are addicted to something because all of us struggle with attachment and clinging and desire. We are known for saying in the recovery community that we cannot do this disease alone. The recovery process must necessarily be within community. But what is my community? Is it just people? Yes, it is people, certainly. People that I like, people that I dislike, people I can stand, people I can't fucking stand in the least bit. It's the birds singing in the trees. It's the trees themselves. It's the beauty of nature. It's the people who prepare my food. It's the people who tirelessly fight for justice in our country. What is my community? 
It's all beings. It's all beings. I'm going to conclude with a brief story. I have a friend. He is a dear friend. Um, I'll call this friend Philip. Philip and I were part of the same 12-step recovery group. And Philip was somebody that I found when I first met him to be quite annoying. (laughs) Uh, I just did not see eye to eye with him. I thought he was frustrating and problematic. And I just really didn't want to be around him. So I almost considered leaving this 12-step group simply because this guy was in my group. Maybe you can see where this is going. One day, I was home alone. And... Uh... My spouse was out of town, and all of my friends and family were at work. And I was suddenly overcome and overwhelmed with triggers and cravings to relapse. And I was starting to slip into despair over this and terrible anxiety. And it suddenly clicked within me. I knew that I could not do this alone. I needed relationship in that moment. A present, a person present in the moment with me. Not just present in spirit, but physically present. And I kept racking my brain, you know, who the hell can I call at this hour? And I remembered that Philip had said to all of us in the 12-step group at one point, Here, take my number down and call me anytime you need me. I mean it. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Even though I knew Philip was a good-hearted guy, I still resisted calling him until I couldn't resist any longer. And I took a risk and I dialed the number and said, Hey, Philip, this is uh, Josiah. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Not so great today, Philip. I'm wondering if you would be willing to get together with me. I can meet you somewhere at a coffee shop or something. I'm I'm having a rough day. I'm worried I might relapse. And Philip said, give me your address. I'll be there as soon as possible. And Philip came and spent the rest of the day with me. We didn't do much. In fact, we went on a walk, we talked for a long time, ate food together, got some coffee at Starbucks. We watched some old Ren and Stimpy cartoons. (laughs) But he was there. And it was that day that I knew that Philip was someone I needed. And I was able to tap into my spirituality in a rich and fulfilling way in that moment, on that day, in that relationship. Because spirituality is the connection we have to others. 
and Philip helped me see with eyes unclouded that day. Now Philip is one of my dearest friends, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love you. Take good care of you today, and I'll see you tomorrow.